What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Market Saints. Happy Thanksgiving to all of my American listeners out there. We're going to change it up a little bit this episode. We're actually going to start with the Rock Report because we have a really interesting discussion to bring you guys, and then we're going to follow that up with cash and checks and breaking banks. Yeah, so this week we're going to talk about how Uber is putting your local drug dealer out of business. So the cannabis business is booming, making it a very, very attractive future market. In fact, the global legal marijuana market is expected to hit $71 billion by 2028. So to break it down, the way that Uber is getting involved is they've set up in Ontario a way that you can purchase marijuana from a, sh- a shop called Tokyo Smoke. But they're not actually Uber Eats delivering it to you. All it is is a medium for you to purchase the marijuana. So you would pay for it and go pick it up yourself. Yeah, and this is still in play because there are still laws that prevent a third party, a.k.a. Uber, from delivering the weed from the dealer to the actual customer. So it's just another medium where it's a little bit quicker to order through the app. But as it stands right now, the law only lets retailers deliver. So obviously, if Uber's presented with the opportunity where they're able to deliver, that is a massive market that they'd be able to move into. I mean, think about this, guys. Delivery is becoming such a normal part of life, especially we just got out of a global pandemic in 2020, where literally delivery was our entire clutch. I delivered food every single day in the pandemic. Look at even grocery stores that are doing it now. I know kids in St. Andrews that are university students that live literally two minutes away from Tesco, yet they get all of their deliveries from Tesco for their food monthly. They don't even go to the store to pick it up anymore. They live right across the street, but it's cheaper and more convenient just for them to get it delivered. Yeah, but one of the interesting things that I do want to bring up about this is the fact that about a year ago, or I believe it was a year ago, Uber acquired Drizzly. Um, And for those of you who don't know or might not be American, Drizzly is an alcohol delivery service. So that's the tricky thing about this. Like Cole was talking about the legislation earlier, Some people are able to deliver alcohol. Some people aren't. It's an issue with carding. It's just, it's a little tricky. It gets a little murky. Uh, But when Uber did acquire Drizzly, they did not take on their other business, which is Lantern, which actually is a cannabis delivery service in Colorado. So this is where this gets really tricky because unfortunately, especially in America, laws are not ubiquitous. So every single state has very different legislation when it comes to the selling of marijuana. You have some states like Oregon where everything is completely decentralized, not even just marijuana, but all drugs. And then you have other states that every single drug is illegal in any capacity. So it's a very interesting medium for a company like Uber to try to expand because it's very much start, stop, start, stop, depending on how the legislation is leaning state by state. Yeah, and it's got to be tough with state borders and everything because actually doing the research for this segment, I... I realized only 18 states have legalized or decrim- I, I believe it's legalized marijuana sale. Yeah, so like through some simple math there, that's obviously less than half of the states. And quite frankly, forget what you actually think about marijuana. This is a massive growth opportunity for all of states. Like that's that's a lot of taxable money that's being, you know, trans- transacted illegally that you're not able to capitalize on. And quite frankly, the weed is going to be sold regardless if you make it legal or not. So you may as well make it legal because that's that you're going to be able to capitalize on that on that uh, growth. Yeah, and we've seen it in Colorado. Is I, I believe Oregon's kind of getting there now, but Colorado's a little bit more established. You're seeing they're paying for public 
public programs like rehabs with the tax money from these drug sales. So the one thing that we do want to bring up here is the Netherlands. So yeah, the Netherlands. Now, the Netherlands has been on legalizing marijuana for a very, very long time. I remember Amsterdam was one of the first to do it worldwide, and it was a very big deal. Although they're still having issues. Technically, as the law stands, you're really only supposed to smoke marijuana in the designated cafes that sell it in the Netherlands. Granted, they are plentiful and they're spread about, but that's technically where you're only supposed to consume marijuana. However, it is decriminalized, which means if you are caught with one portion of marijuana on your possession, you technically can only get fined. You can't actually get criminal time or charges against you. However, technically it's legalized, right? But it's not really completely legalized because you have to be in one of these designated cafes. Illegally, there's 4.8 billion euros distributed in the illegal marijuana market. Legally, it's only 400 million. Yeah, and Cole, that's that's what we're getting into here. Is the difference between going to the bar to dr- have a drink or have a smoke at a cafe and having it delivered to your house or just meeting your guy outside. It's just, that is quite literally the difference. That is millions, millions of dollars or pounds or euros being spent on the fact that people don't want to get off their couch. Yeah, it's a 4.4 billion euro difference which is very it's a pretty massive margin especially when you're getting into like smaller european countries that don't have as massive of gdps that's a pretty significant proportion especially for just marijuana like one singular stock something something that i also want to talk about branching away a little bit just from the ease of being able to make it legalized and and delivery i want to talk about the danger behind it being illegal yeah no the fact is you know, having a dealer, I mean, just that, I mean, we've all watched Narcos. You see where these things go. It's not all above board. It's being smuggled. It's not being handled properly. You're not fully sure of what you're getting even. You know, the big problem for me is kids and not like young kids. I'm talking about like the teenage rebellion where, you know, you want to try new things and and you want to, you know, experience what your friends are doing and what's considered cool. And kids are going to try it regardless of if it's legal or not. And instead of getting it from professionals where you know that it's high quality and that it's not dangerous, they're getting it from these sketchy dudes where you have no idea what you're really buying. You're probably getting ripped off. And that's that's very dangerous because you don't actually know if the weed is laced or if there's something wrong with it, which could, you know can cause a lot of health conditions. And on top of that, let's let's make a simple analogy. It's the same as alcohol. We buy brands of alcohol that we trust and from stores that we trust. Imagine you walked into you know some alleyway or some guy's house or some guy's car and he just had a bunch of like liter bottles with different color liquids with no brands and you just bought one of the liquids that's essentially what you're doing with marijuana right now you have no idea what you're buying no idea where it came from and no idea what it really even is yeah and one of the issues is imagine like like you said it's just a bunch of different colored bottles no labels no anything if you go to a dealer i mean odds are you know, you could probably ask for what you want, but there's a chance you're with a guy who just goes, do you want to buy weed or something else? And whereas, you know, if you go to a store, they're going to sit there. Well, would you like, you know, Indica, Sativa? They're going to start talking about the different things. They're going to start, they have percentages on it. It's going to be much more regulated, a lot like alcohol. Yeah. And I mean, circling back, just because I think it's really important, absolutely, regardless of what you think of weed, if it's legalized, that doesn't mean you have to use it. I mean, you can totally abstain from using it, but it doesn't, you know, 
deny the fact that there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot more tax money to be generated. And then that just allows you to allocate that money, you know, to solve other issues. If you think that you need more money in education or more money to be allocated towards roads, you or have rehab. Yeah, you have more available tax money. And also, I usually I always side with education. I think education prevents disaster from striking. If kids are more knowledgeable about marijuana when they go to use it, I mean, if it's illegal or legal, they're going to be safer at using it, at least more mindful to not make these mistakes. And at least in this platform, there's some sort of interaction. You can look at the guy and be like, what am I buying? What would I like? Oh, I'm a first time. There's a discussion. I'm sure... You know, maybe your friendly neighborhood dealer, you could do the same thing, but this is, it's different. This is a transaction that is legal, safe, and regulated. And I'm not saying that you have to promote smoking marijuana. I'm just saying that it would be better to educate children so that, that if they do end up trying to go choose it at some point, it's not at the detriment of their health. And you know what, honestly, I know you, it's, I wouldn't call it a promotion even. It could actually stop a lot of those issues. Yeah, you're going to say if somebody wants to do something, they'll, they'll do it. If there's a will, there's a way. But the thing is, these stores will start to put smaller drug dealers out of business. That's just a fact. And via that, there's going to be a real ID check. When you walk in there, they're going to look at you. You know, the guy doesn't ask down the street. He just goes, uh, you look old enough, right? And also, it takes a lot of the rebellion out of it because a lot of kids do things not because they want to, but because they're not allowed to. So the second you legalize something, it takes a lot of the thrill away from it. So the second that you make it more ingratiated in society, the second that it becomes less dangerous. So yeah, as a whole, there's definitely a lot still up in the air in the marijuana industry. It's still a very active discussion being had on the very highest legislative levels. But I think it's undeniable, regardless of your opinion on marijuana and the use of marijuana, it's definitely an industry that could bring a lot to the table. Yeah, I agree. And the one thing I have to say to end this out is that there's a lot of growth. There could, there's going to be a lot of growth in this industry. That's just a fact. And, you know, I got money signs in my eyes. Green grows green. All right. Now moving into our cash and checks and breaking banks of the week. I'm going to start off. So my cash and checks of the week is a little bit unconventional compared to how I usually conduct my picks. So this week I have Airbnb as my cash and check of the week, but not because of its performance, because of its potential to buy. Airbnb went through a 10% dip in the last week, but they are still up 7% on the month and 32% on the last six months. You see, Airbnb only went public in December of 2020. A pretty brutal year to go public, especially as a vacation and travel-driven company. But they're still performing exceptionally well. In their quarter two for 2021, they were up 300%, and in quarter three, they were up 67% when compared to 2020. Now, you may think it's a bad point of comparison to compare growth from 2020 to 2021. But Airbnb is still up a decent margin even if you compare 2019 results with zero pandemic to 2021, where we're still dealing with pandemic regulations. Currently, the Airbnb stock price is dancing around 180 with a low of 121 and a high of 220 on the year. I think Airbnb will be a great long-term buy because they've only been public during the pandemic, which I think is leading this stock to be majorly undervalued. This isn't a tech company. Airbnb is operating in an industry that is being negatively affected by COVID like no other. I mean, unless you want to make some parallels to the cruiser restaurant industry, which they're still even in the same conversation. 
I think that Airbnb is a buy under 165, preferably under 160. So keep an eye out for this as a long-term play. Airbnb already has a 20% market share with almost 6 million listed properties and has hosted over 1 billion people in its tenure. You know, Cole, I, I really do like that pick. And it's not, I, I just want to restate here, it's not even just about vacations and everything else. I know students who have used it for short-term accommodations, maybe uh, almost half a semester or longer. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we've been going into quarantine and whatnot, students that are escaping halls because they're negative for COVID, they go to get an Airbnb in town for a week or so. And even over reading week, I remember me and a bunch of my friends traveled to Portugal and we all stayed in Airbnbs because quite frankly, it's much cheaper than hotels these days. It just makes sense. All right, Stu, what do you got for your cash and checks? All right, uh, Cole, my cash and checks is Tencent Holdings. The company is a combination of all the things we've been discussing in previous weeks. So first off, it's a Chinese gaming and tech company that hosts games like Call of Duty and Fortnite. In 2015, Tencent Games published a multiplayer online battle arena game, Honor of Kings. I haven't played it, but uh, exclusively for the mainland China markets, developed by the L1 division of Timmy Studio Group. And by 2017, was both the world's most popular and highest grossing game of all time, as well as the most downloaded app globally. The fact that this is this company has one of the largest markets in the world locked up and is already in the gaming slash tech sector is absolutely massive. I, I really see great growth out of this company in the future. And for the metrics, the company is well managed and is rocking a 20.89 PE ratio at the moment and has gotten above 50 in the past. And for market cap, the company is rolling around, believe it or not, $589 billion. I, I had to look that one up like three different times. And the stock is only, they say this twice, $60. Really, $60. I see this being a real moneymaker moving forward, and I just think it's the time to buy. I think this is a good pick because gaming is growing at an exponential rate industry-wise like no other. It's a little bit off topic, but it still correlates. Ten years ago, nobody really aspired to be an online entertainer. Nobody aspired to be in esports, which is just professional gaming. Now, I'd say it's one of the most aspired to careers, although still not easy to get into, but definitely aspired by you know these younger generations. There's so many kids that want to be able to play video games for a living because that's all they watch all day. So owning some of the biggest games in the world, like Call of Duty and Fortnite, I mean, I'm sure, if anything, those are two games that even the most average non-gamer would recognize. Yeah, Cole, I couldn't agree more. It's just the fact is gaming is absolutely and utterly massive now. It's just like we talked about with Roblox last week. Yeah, most definitely. Even looking at something like the metaverse, which has recently become massive in the news, they're literally trying to make our lives into virtual video games. So I definitely think it's an industry that's worth looking into and investing in for the future. Moving on to breaking banks, my pick of the week is Nordstrom, which has been struggling in a massive way, falling nearly 30% recently due to supply chain issues. Recently, their earnings were released, and they reported earnings that fell short of analysts' expectations as labor costs ate into profits and sales, and its Nordstrom rack business struggled to return to pre-pandemic levels. The disappointing performance was actually a stark contrast to their rivals like Macy and Kohl's, which last week boosted earnings estimates for the remainder of the year. Both companies have been more successful in passing along higher costs to shoppers and carefully managing their inventory. Nordstrom's problem here is really recovery. All of their revenue numbers for the most part are up when compared to 2020. But that doesn't really say much. 
Compared to 2019, they're still falling short majorly in a lot of categories. Overall, Nordstrom Rack reported sales that were up 35% compared with 2020, but still down 8% versus 2019. The company is making adjustments to its inventory strategy to make up for the shortfall in available premium goods, but analysts just can't agree on how upbeat to be about Nordstrom's prospects. For example, JP Morgan lowered its price target to $23 from $27. Speaking about the price, Nordstrom's 52-week range is between $22 and $46, and right now they're scraping the bottom of the barrel trading just over $22. And with a 2.4 beta, quick reminder for those of you that don't know what a beta is, a beta talks about a stock's volatility compared to the market. So with a beta of 2.4, this stock is damn near two and a half times more volatile than the market, which is very, very high and definitely concerning as an investor. Moral of the story, probably best to stay away from Nordstrom for the time being. Stu, what do you got? You know, Cole, that's actually really, I, I'm hard pressed to believe that's your break in banks because with as much time as my girlfriend spends at Nordstrom Racks, I thought she was trying to pump up the stock price. All right, my breaking banks of the week is Nielsen Holding. Uh, first off, let me tell you a little bit about the company. Back in the day, this company was the Microsoft. It was an absolute blue chip of TV ratings. Their product was crucial to ad sales and the TV industry as a whole. Essentially, without their rating system, advertising wouldn't be the market we know it as today. However, they've been crushed by companies like Netflix that can easily track their own data with simple technology. Additionally, with more and more companies like Disney moving towards online streaming platforms and companies like Hulu taking live sports and TV online, they're just they're getting killed. Now, you ready for the bullet? Here, Nielsen has been on a steady decline for the last five years, and the company's sales and earnings have fallen flat, but they're still insanely leveraged, sitting on $8.1 billion of long-term debt and $3.4 billion of short-term liabilities. And they're reporting they only have, get this, 2.25 in the bank. To me, this seems like a sinking ship. I'm, I'm selling if I own it, or even better yet, I'm working to short it. Seems like the closest thing to free money since people realize they could bet on Alabama. I think you make some good points, Stu. I honestly think that we're at the end of the road for TV. Leisure is everything, and people don't really want to sit through commercial breaks anymore. Quite frankly, beyond just television and TV shows, you can even watch every sport through another streaming network like Hulu or Roku or something like that. You can watch the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, ESPN. You can watch football, soccer, whatever you want, whatever your heart desires, all without having to have a TV provider. Come on, man. All you need is the Reddit live stream. Exactly. You're getting it. Now that brings us to the end of this episode of Market Saints. I hope you all are well and safe. And if you're celebrating Thanksgiving, spend time with your family and enjoy the, the holiday season. And if not, if you're a St. Andrews student, happy end of the semester. Good luck with finals prep. And uh, yeah, it's been a great episode. We'll see you guys next week. Happy Turkey Day.